Hey, this is Joey Pants. And this is Danny Pants. And I've, I was feeling sad. No kidding? Me too. Oh. <laughs> and we're going to talk about a lot of good stuff today, right, Danny? Yeah, we're catching up with each other. Um, I am going to let everyone know this is a trigger warning episode. We will be talking about suicide. Any of those things are a little much for you. Uh, you can skip this one or maybe you can listen with a friend and just, you know, yeah, don't skip exit it. out when you when you need to. Um, and and we'll provide you with phone numbers, you yeah. know, and hotlines. And you can uh, also reach out to us. Let us know how you're feeling. So how are you doing? What's going on with you? Are you excited about seeing your sister and your nephews? I am so excited that just you saying that, I almost started crying with happy tears because I haven't seen them in a year. We're not playing horseshoes. Almost doesn't count. You know, this is what radio, you, oh, motherfucker. Okay, you know, my so, eyes are full of water. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm currently crying with excitement to see my nephews because it's been a year since I've seen them, and usually I try to get out there. Hasn't it been longer more than that? No. Well, uh, January 2020 is when I saw them last, and usually I would have gone for either Thanksgiving or Christmas, and so it's I been 15 was, months. Yeah, I was debating going during the pandemic, but I really didn't want to fly to like then be quarantined somewhere in Vegas for two weeks and then do all like it just it didn't happen. So I'm really excited. I am nervous to fly, though. I am. It's the first time in my life. I mean, I've been flying since I don't know when you took me on my first flight, but I flew alone for the first time when I was eight years old. So flying is like second nature. I think every year of my life I've been on a plane at least once. And it's the first time I'm nervous to fly and like just I feel like I don't feel like it's happening because I feel like it's not like I feel like it's a bad thing to do, like to, bad to get on a plane and go enjoy myself and like see my nephews and family. Um, I'm going to wear like two, maybe three masks, you know, change of clothes right when I land, shower when I get there. COVID test that day and then COVID test a couple of days later. I'm going to do all the responsible things, but it still feels dirty. It feels dirty, but I know it's going to be so great and I'm very excited. Um, those boys mean the world to me. Well, you're going to be, you're not going to be able to hug them. I can. Melody said I could, <laughs> but there's, there's danger. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that's, but like, how do I not how do I not hug them when I see them? I can't not hug them. So that's why I'm going to take a COVID test that day. Yeah, but the COVID test is only good until you get back in the car. You know, it's like you go, you get tested, and then you go hug your your, your nephews uh, who go to school or around other kids. I mean, it's yeah, if anything, they could get me sick. Yeah, it's complicated because we're still in this. People are still dying every day. I was at the dog park the other night and I saw 17 I counted I made sure I counted because it looked so weird and wrong to me 17 college age students walking no masks they were in a group a line and they were either going to a bar or somebody's house party they were going somewhere and I was just like it was it was like seeing like an extinct animal walk by you it was it didn't feel real. I was like, oh. And then my boyfriend met me. He's like, did you see that group of people? I guess COVID's over. I'm like, I guess for them it is. I don't understand. 
So, I, you know, we're all still trying to figure it out. Like when I go at, to a restaurant inside, I still feel weird and wrong about it. Like you're in Connecticut, so it's, you know, you're sheltered more. You you don't really leave the house because you don't really have to or unless you're going to the grocery store. But in a city, it's like even just looking at my window, it, it just looks it's weird. You're an essential worker. You're working with kids. Yeah, I'm going to use that to try to get my vaccine. And a lot of people I talk to, they're like, oh, you just go into Walgreens and say you're a teacher. Or say you have and in Jersey. This is wild in Jersey. If you say you're a smoker, you get the vaccine, which to me seems really weird. So say um, you're a smoker. But I I morally like feel very weird about lying to get the vaccine. And I know so many people are like, just do it. Like I did it. Like it's every man for themselves. You're going to be the most moral kid in the cemetery. That's true. So I've been, I'm feeling incredibly depressed. Why? I'm just blue and I'm just having a hard time walking. You know, the things that I know to do that help me. I think I'm just battle fatigue from 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 covid mm-hmm. and you know from the accident because from the concussion um i was watching a movie today with dirt bogart when we meet this man he's you know he's in his late 60s early 70s and he's had an operation and and he's very ill and his daughter's a writer and she comes out they're, they're English French. So she comes to visit them in their retirement villa at the south of France and to take care of her dad. And, you know, it's just this old age depression and the fact that he's dying and she's going through a bad divorce and she has a kid and her mom's very depressed and afraid of everything. And it just felt very familiar. You know, and he said at one point in the movie, he says, you know, I didn't plan on I didn't plan on getting old. And the idea that he, his legs weren't working any longer, so he couldn't take the walks. And I know the one thing that I have left that I really enjoy is walking. When I travel, that's pretty much what I do as I, as I, as I walk. I get a lot of pleasure out of it. And I was telling Tina today, going up the stairs, you know, my I hurt my knee in the accident, and so when I come up that little flight of stairs now, it's starting to, it's starting to hurt. I said to Tina, who's so literal, I said, you know, now I know why old people don't live on the second floor. And she said, you know, old, and, and my knees don't hurt. I said, well, yeah, yeah. you weren't hit by a car. <laughs> but she's also teeny tiny. She's got a lot less body to walk around with part of this story was this tremendous fear of of death that both the parents were going through and for the longest time i have no fear of death most of the time i would say that i welcome death that i look forward to it because i've got a 50 50 chance of learning something new the idea that there's something out there after this. I've had major surgery and there's no sense of time. There's no space. There's you, you lay down and they tell you to start counting backward and then you leave. 
and 12 hours later, they're waking you up and it feels like it's only been two minutes. I mean, two seconds. It feels like there's no time or space that changed. I have a, a sneaking suspicion that that's what death is. It's just this final piece, mm-hmm. which I'm totally okay with. But, you know, part of me wonders, is this is this depression, some of it's situational, of course, mm-hmm. because of what we're going through in the world? I've been reading a lot of articles, opioid addiction or obesity. Uh, people are reaching out to behaviors that are may not be completely healthy yeah. to to escape this this dreadful feeling that lives in, inside us, it's like, like in the pit of our souls, mm-hmm. in the pit of my soul. You know, to be, just to be able to to feel happy. You know, to, to hear you talk about your excitement. I I re, I recall what that felt like. I remember. Uh, at your age and so i wonder is this just part of growing old is that i've i've experienced so many things you know i've i've had tragedy in my life and i've had happiness in my life and that's part of life i don't get excited you know I, i'm not excited my, about my work uh i think that's situational though because your work looks so different now I wouldn't, I mean, I love going to my work on the film set, but it's still, there's a part of it that I don't like doing because I have to wear a mat, two masks and a shield and get my temperature taken and wipe down everything I touch. Like you can't just go and be and talk to the people and get close with them. And you have to stay six feet apart. You can't even shake their hand. So it's not surprising that you're not excited to work. Like, yeah, you get to take the mask off when they say action, but like you don't get that community that you usually get because everyone has to be safe. You stay in your trailer until they call you before you could stay in your trailer if you wanted, or you could go to your friend's trailer, you know? So I think it's situational. I think you'll get excited when there's something to be really excited about. I think when you are done working and you go to Vegas to see the nephews and Brayden. I think that's when you're going to find your happiness because Brayden's going to say something hilarious and Declan's going to be really cute and the twins are going to, you know, climb all over you. So I think there is where you can find that excitement and happiness. I'll let you know. Yeah. Let me know. But the death thing that you were talking about, if I can try to, speak on that without crying because death (laughs) this is the thing that happens to me (laughs) the involuntary crying I hope other people can relate to this I'm not sad right now (laughs) I'm not sad but I cry and I think it's very interesting that death doesn't scare you Because that's my biggest fear, is my death, your death, and mommy's death. The good thing about having a mental health podcast is that this is totally acceptable. (laughs) Um, It's just frustrating, the crying, because it's like I want to have a, I want to speak, but... 
Speak this through is it. one of the the tools I need to work on. So, but yeah, no death um, has always been. I think the second I could comprehend it, or I don't know if it's a more recent fear. No, I think it's always been there. Um, it's like one of the only things that can send me into a panic attack is the thought of my death or yours or mommy's. It's the only thing. Um, this well, might be a little bit different. Let's, let's break it down into three things. Let's let's pick pick. You said you, mommy, daddy. So pick one first. Let's go. Let's examine why that's the case. So if it's you or mommy, it's how I will live once you guys are gone. It seems to me like the worst thing that could happen. It's to you. Yes. So, you know, in, in I mean, some to respects, you guys, too, you guys will be dead. That seems no, pretty but, bad. But, no, it's not really bad. Death is not really bad, Danny. Death is a part of life. You know, we come into this world we're the only species on the planet that have a get by the time we're six years old. We have a cognitive understanding that we will cease to exist. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, in my case, that was a, a major motivator because I wanted to leave something behind. I had, a, I had an ambition that I wanted the world to know I was here. And I had that. I was terribly afraid. But I guess as some of my dreams came true, I'm completely surprised that I don't I don't have a, a fear of it anymore. Mm -hmm. That may change. Who, who the hell knows? But at the moment, as we speak, um, losing my parents, you know, losing. I mean, I chronically, especially as a kid, uh, the idea of, of losing my mom. And I would fantasize of what I would do. It was going to break the place apart. And, um, but, but it's a selfish feeling because it's, it's my personal fear of not wanting to have to go through that, you know, to go through that loss. Uh, so it's really about me, you know, the idea of losing a parent. I mean, the first, and I grew up around death right across the street at Fiella's. Going to Fiella's was like going to a wedding. It was my favorite thing to do because I, I didn't know this consciously at the time, but I, I loved funerals because people were at their truest self. You know, there were fist fights and there was screaming and there was fainting and there was laughter. And, um, and I, I just found it way more interesting than weddings. Um, there was a lot of people. Uh, and I, and I always liked being around people because I could, I could actually be more alone around people than when I was by myself. That's for me. Now, I mean, does any of that feel right for you with your fear of losing your mom or dad? It is like a selfish thing because it's like, I don't want to go through that. It's like what, it's just trying to imagine like life after that because i'm very close with you and mom i'm like i mean at, at anyone really like any death close to me like i talked about this with my therapist and it just seems like it would be devastating and we like broke it down because the 
people like I lost, you know, uh, grandma and grandpa, mom's parents. I didn't know your parents. You're better off. I was in <laughs> not knowing your parents. <laughs> I wish I knew your mom, though. Oh, man. I really, I really wish I had my own, like, experiences with her. I mean, you always thought I was her reincarnated, so maybe I do know her. Well, at least all the be- best parts of her, you said, because I hope I'm not like her in some ways. <laughs> but um, I remember you used to call me mom sometimes uh, when I was little. Yeah, I kept using the word devastating. And, you know, when grandma and grandpa died, I, I was sad. I wasn't devastated because I didn't know them that well. Which feels weird saying. Um, I felt guilty, actually, for not being sadder. Um, well, your grandma was the first corpse you ever saw, yeah? Yeah. Well, tell, tell us about that. She looked like she was sleeping. It was really but, weird. She wasn't embalmed yet, or at no, all. No, because right? it was... Tell the I story. Think, I think I was really sad for mom, because grandma was sick, and... She had, I think, we had planned to go see her, um, and she was getting out of the hospital, I believe, the day we were flying. Yeah, you were at the airport. You you were at the airport when you got the call that she had we passed. Were, we were about to board the plane. And That's right. Grandpa called mom and told her. And... Uh, you got off the airplane and you went right to the hospital. So yeah. she was in the morgue. Yeah. And that you was, were in the morgue. That was also like a... I took care of mom. I tried to. I mean, I was sad. But I wanted to make sure that mom was okay. Describe where grandma was. Well, she describe was in the, the morgue. Room. Describe the room. I can't. I couldn't tell you what the room looked like. I believe it was just like a plain empty room. There was probably some chairs and a table when you walked in and she was against the far wall on a table with a sheet, a sheet covering her. And we just saw her, I mean, her, her body, the sheet was up to her shoulders and she just looked like she was sleeping. I gave her a hug. Um, what did she feel like? Did she feel cold? No. She wasn't cold. Usually when you hug someone, there's even if they don't hug you back, you feel them still. And it was like there wasn't any feeling. And where was mommy? Oh, I don't even remember. I mean, obviously she was there. And I believe she hugged her first because I, I didn't know if I was going to. Was mommy crying too? Yeah. Have you seen your mother cry a lot in in your lifetime? I would say more than a few times. Yeah. Both of you. I've seen both of you cry. You know, after fights. Um. I would comfort mom sometimes and she'd be crying. You're crying when you felt guilty. You'd come and say sorry and you'd cry. 
during movies all the time you cry um but how, so, okay so tell me about grandpa because grandpa was a whole different situation that yeah and i think i was in a little bit of shock with grandpa why so i got the call i was i woke what up call? that grandpa was dead mom called me and she video chatted me and she told me that grandpa had died <clears throat> and i started you- crying and then dan came to comfort me because he had overheard and my mom said oh okay dan's there i can tell you how he died and i was like what and she told me that he had shot himself and i was sh- shocked I think I was like taken aback and then just started crying again. And you had just shock because, and I felt it for a little bit. And then I had already scheduled to teach a yoga class and there was a student that was going to show up and I thought about canceling it, but I went about it anyway. And then I went to babysitting and I remember meeting up with Chelsea because Chelsea came to take the class, one of my friends. And I told her because she knew grandpa pretty well because when we would go to Florida, she'd come. And so I was with Chelsea and Dan and I was shocked and I was fine when I was with them. And then I went to babysit. And when I was just alone with the baby, I was crying and trying not to cry when the parents came home. I think that they noticed I was crying but they didn't ask in those cases it was more feeling sad for mom and wanting to make sure she was okay and with grandpa it was it was a lot of shock because we didn't leave a note and we don't we don't so we don't know why he did it um I remember being there I flew to Florida to be with the family was they were figuring all the stuff out and going through his stuff And everyone was sitting around talking about it. And why would he do it? Why would he do it? Maybe he was sick and he didn't want to tell anyone. And he hated hospitals. He never wanted to be a burden. And as we're sitting and talking, my 13, I believe she was 13 at the time, 13-year-old cousin Hannah was just sitting in the fetal position and her eyes were filling up with water. And I looked over at her and I just hugged her. And we were just hugging and... I wasn't crying at that time. I was taking care of her. And I just said, let's go for a walk. And her, me, and Melody just went for a walk. And um, everybody saw and they stopped talking because they knew how it was upsetting her. Because, I mean, at I forget how old was I, like 27 at the time, 26. I couldn't understand why my grandpa would kill himself at 13. And she was much closer with him. I can't imagine what she was thinking. So her, me, and Melody went on a walk. And I can't remember if we talked about it or if we just took our minds off of it and walked around in the Florida sun. And I really, I specifically remember Melody laughing about a duck in the water. There was like a bird on this duck's head. And she's like, that's really weird. And we walked by it again. And then we realized it was like a statue. <laughs> I mean, to this day, like, like I survived it. Mom survived it, you know, 
But yeah, the thought of like you or mom dying, it's like, you know, if I have a family when that happens, like, I don't know what that grieving process will look like or if I'll survive it. I mean, I I will survive it. I'll have to. I think it'll just be a matter of maybe not wanting to survive it. And with my own death, it's just, I think it's just what's going to happen. Like I I had a surgery, I, I, the cortisone shots for my, my back. I have bulging discs in my back and I, that same thing. Like they say, okay, count down. And I think I got to like eight and then I woke up like it, there's no time. So I've been thinking, okay, well, if that's what it is, maybe it's not so bad. It's like you go to sleep and then you're reborn and you're a new baby or a dog or that'd be great to come back as a dog. I think it's just like darkness. Like I just like I just won't be here. Like this body that I'm touching right now, like my face, like I it'll just be gone. It doesn't make sense. Like I don't. You know, it's it's very popular dying. Everyone does Everybody it. Everybody does it. It's, it's, <laughs> and it's like, you know, I, I've always been fascinated by the culture. You've not been to the, to the Italian funerals. They lasted three days and three mm. nights. The embalming process and the makeup that they put on these, our loved ones and, you know, to try in every way possible to make them look alive, mm. you know, put put rose in their cheeks and 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 the comments from the relatives oh she looks so happy or she looks <sighs> so young or she looks so alive or she looks like she's sleeping i was always fascinated by that it's a culture you know this thing that the the dogs aren't afraid of dying they don't you know yeah it's like i was fascinated when when bogey died the other dogs was sleeping with him, you know, he, he was gone. They weren't like going, well, where'd he go? You know, Hercules yeah. took his bed. <laughs> it's a fascinating thing. In grandpa's case, I mean, some of the facts are important. The fact is, is that he was a retired police officer uh, and that, that he shot himself with his police revolver and that he was 84 years old. And that, I thought it was a shotgun. No, it was his police revolver. Oh. I know this because mommy gave it to me as a gift with one bullet. She said, don't <laughs> miss. He's <laughs> so bad. Daddy, I wish you could be here now because as I'm talking to you, last night was, a, was the worm moon. It's like the fourth largest moon in the year. And that brings all the worms up. So all of the birds are flying all over the property, devouring all of the worms that are close to the, you know, that are above the ground. And it's really circle of life. As we talk about death, all those worms are meeting their maker. And and you know, we're worm food, really. Yeah. Because we're ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But we would go back in before there was embalming. You know, what's the idea behind? preserving a dead body yeah i i don't i want to be planted as a tree i and i try to change my thinking of death whenever i think about it i try to like find a way to make it less scary i'm trying to just change the thought process and um so i think of it as like a nap like i love to sleep it's just a nap 
or, you know, I'll come back reincarnation or thinking about the fact that like, I want to be, when I die, I want to, I don't want to be cremated. I don't want to be buried in a cemetery. I think that cemeteries are wastes of space and land and I, I want to be planted as a tree and like, how cool would that be that like people that know me can come to this spot and like see my tree like that I grew I'm gonna put you, I'll I'm live gonna forever put your, as a tree. Put you in front of the house. Uh, yeah, the, put me in care. On the, a, dogs, the dogs can pee on you. I love it. Uh, I'll take it. The, I would I, be happy in eternity as a tree that gets peed on by dogs. A lot of people are doing that now. Yeah. But anyway, I was talking about Grandpa. Uh, the idea that he was growing more and more frail, mm-hmm. that he didn't have a lot of money. The the kind of the kind of costs, just the medical costs that he was staring, that he was facing in his future, the idea that would be a financial maybe we would be he would be a financial drain on us as a family, Um, the idea of you know Grandpa wasn't a man that that spoke freely about his feelings, but you know Grandma was very sick. And I and I think him having to care for her was yeah. tough, but also the idea that his children, his three adult children, had had made a decision. They determined that he no longer could take care of himself. Mm. You know, he was quite happy to stay in Florida, and he thought that he could. Right. You know, so th- that that whole winter where they took him to. To Wisconsin. He was not happy. And so he he had loved traveling, and he and Grandma had traveled for, for years. Yeah, in the and, RV. They traveled the, RV the country. And, traveled, and he wanted to do it again. Yeah. And, and the kids were saying, you can't. And he said, no, I can't. I'm, I'm in good shape. And you know, he went and got involved and bought it, you know, started this plan. And then I thought, because he, he, he died in that trailer that he purchased, which was like a 22-foot trailer. And I think he knew that he could not do it. A couple of days before, he was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was falling down. Yeah. And, uh, and he just didn't want to die that way. He didn't want to, maybe he didn't want to, yeah, that's what I think. Embrace the pain too. that was coming his way. I think knowing who Grandpa was, it was like a logical decision. Like he just like looked at everything and was like, you know, in order to have some control still over my life, this is the course of action I'm going to take. Which then I'm like, then why don't you leave a note just saying that? But I don't know what well, happens a lot of people, when you make that this, decision, what your mind goes through. That, you know, uh, a lot of my friends, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit taken aback, but I, by the fact that I have so many friends that have committed suicide. Yeah. I bet you I have 30 friends that I know that have committed suicide. A lot of them don't leave notes because it's a spontaneous thing. It happens. It's not planned out. It's like it's right. a fuck it thing when you, when you get mad and you punch the steering wheel or you hit the wall. You know, it's one of these like, fuck it, I can't take it. And boom. You know, the, the idea that as a culture we put horses out of their misery 
right. and dogs, you know, uh, the, the why way. Why not humans? Why not humans? I mean, it's like there's a gathering. You had a wake and everybody was sitting around and celebrating your grandpa's life. But to be able to do that, you know, when it's my time, surrounded by love and surrounded by my family and having a good talk and then, you know, drifting off to sleep. I, I think there's something beautiful about that. Yeah, and that's that's a huge debate. You know, doctor assisted suicide in some states it's legal, in some states it's not. And yeah, it's it's an interesting thought process if the person, you know, has had a good life and they're just older and they're just like, you know, I'm looking at what's ahead of me and I'm ready to just go, you know. <sighs> then who's to say they can't do that? It, I guess people still think that it's selfish because of the people they leave behind. And, you know, it's the Catholics, you know, the church, Catholic church was like, you were going to rot in hell for eternity. If you committed suicide, I think you got to pass. If you committed adultery, you know, you only went to purgatory. They, they, they had an out, but they keep changing the rules. Like it was against the, the rules of the, the church to be cremated but then they change that rule you know they keep changing the rules um, yeah you know having almost died last year in in mommy's arms you, my arms too yeah that was kind of shocking to me all the i don't know adrenaline and the shock and like what was going through your mind besides being worried that You'll never get your favorite vest back after they cut it off you. <laughs> uh, Don't cut my clothes. I can take them off. She's like, sir, you've just been hit by a car. You cannot move. <laughs> it was a cashmere sweater, you know. <laughs> you know, your body's doing stuff that it's involuntary. All of this adrenaline, what I remember is it's surging through your, your body. And then uh, I remember later in the hospital uh it it dropped and then i just started sweating profusely and got really sick and the room started spinning around mm. uh, i think they said because of the concussion you know and i vomited and i was a mess um, do you remember i mean i remember as a bystander bystander it happening so quickly do you like when you actually got hit do you remember thinking it like life flash before your eyes or were you just like, like, what were you thinking? I asked Melody that once when Melody got into a car accident and I was like, what were you thinking when the car was flipping? And she said, I was just thinking, shit, I'm going to die. Like it wasn't like she was just like, this is it. Like did that as you were flying through the air, what were you thinking? I would have to guess it happened so fast. Yeah. But it's like a lot of people like Melody saying is like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, like, really? Like, I had a friend. I had a friend. I had a friend that was a mountain climber and his friend, they were climbing and his friend died. His friend missed whatever. And he just slid off. And, and he said that the last thing the kid said was, Oh, like to himself, he he said, fuck, like, fuck, and boom. So 
I'm fascinated with all the religious people out there. Mm-hmm. I wish they could answer this. If you guys can tell me about this, you know, that that you you love God so much and you believe in an afterlife. But and you're always talking about God's will. But the minute you get cancer, the the mindset is I'm gonna beat this. And you're praying to God to help you to, to, to change the diagnosis when if you believe in God's will, then isn't it God's will that you got cancer? Jehovah's Witnesses believe that. They don't, I, I believe that's the right one. I might be wrong. We can look that up, but. Um, no, it's I believe, not Jehovah's Witness. It's. Um, I think they're one of them, Robert. Do you know? It's Christian Science. Oh, but I also think it's Jehovah's Witness. No, Danny. I'm going to look it up. It's definitely both. I've seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy and it was Jehovah's Witness. Robert is sitting in front of a fucking computer screen and he just told you it's Christian scientists. No medicine. They don't believe in medicine, but they believe in suicide. Okay, here we go. The witnesses accept virtually all other medical interventions. The scripture... Uh, oh, they're against blood. Blood transfusions. Yeah, they're against blood transfusions. Who is? The Jehovah's Witnesses. Witnesses. They're against blood transfusions. So Christian scientists so are say against sorry. All- I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for doubting you guys. <laughs> the Grey's Anatomy episode was about blood transfusions, so I shouldn't have made a grander um, assumption, but... <laughs> I don't think anyone should commit suicide having knowing someone that has and dad I mean you said 30 plus friends I can't even imagine it and as someone who's you've admittedly said you've thought about it I I think always think about the other options please you know I have to say I'm going to be 70 years old it's even hard it's hard for me to say this I'm going to be 70 years old in September Mm-hmm. My mom died at 66. Both my fathers died at 77. If, you know, if I was lucky enough to live a healthy life, to you know, a grandpa being 84, that pretty much means I got 10 good years left. You know, I feel like you have more. You do not look 70. Now, I don't know if you feel 70. But I feel like 70 is what like 60, like 60 was. Is that how it works? Like 70 it's, is young 70 now. is the new orange. 70 is the new orange. But but the point is, so what do I want to do with the next 10 years of my life? Go on a lot of walks. Be a grandpa. Get more dogs. Buy a farm. Get dogs and horses. I got enough land for the dogs, but not for horses. The point here what am is I that do with I want horses? a horse. You want a horse? <laughs> I can just see. You know, there's. We've lived in Connecticut for twenty years. There's all of these horse farms and horse trails everywhere. Yeah, a quarter of a mile away. If you want to go rent the fucking pay horse for it. <laughs> Horseback riding is stupid expensive. If it's like English riding, is like very bougie. It's very expensive. I just, I like Western, you know, throw the saddle on, go riding into the sunset. Hop along, Kesset each. 
But I think you've got plenty of life and career if you want career ahead of you. Well, we'll see. But, you know, it's a nice thing about being an actor. I've been semi-retired since I'm 18 years old. And, you know, as you said, character actor, you know, the good parts are 10 years ahead of you. So you got to you got to be an old man to get the really good. You'll finally get your Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's not for supporting again, though. Supporting. Supporting. That's an old, that's a, that's a story that uh, may he rest in peace. Carmine Caridi, who had a lot of tragedy in his life. But they were doing a play, a Jason Miller play called That Championship Season. And it was, they were trying to get a production of it, a touring production going around the country with this play. It's like five male characters. And they were trying to get Jason Robards to play the, the coach, the older, oldest character. And Robards had turned it down. And, uh, and Carmine was very upset. Because he was thinking about himself and he said I can't believe he turned that down he said this this part this part would have made him a big star and somebody else said Carmine the guys won two Academy Awards and Carmine turned to him and said supporting supporting <laughs> you think that's funny I, I mean I, I, I think it's that. funny um, but hold on, because this is a podcast and people listen, I do, again, want to make it clear that suicide is not something that um, anyone should be doing. And uh, if you are feeling, you know, if you're having thoughts of suicide, always call someone. We're saying things, maybe people that are listening, maybe you don't agree with us. And that's totally fine. Let us know. And then we can have a conversation because these are what this is what we're thinking this is how we're talking about these are our experiences with it and i think these conversations should be had at the dinner table with your friends on a walk because these are important things to talk about and to be informed about so when we were talking about doctor assisted suicide that's a whole debate with tons of research you can look at um you know, and my dad says when he's old and he's lived his life, it, it's different when it's, it's, I mean, this is the thing. It's like, is it though? Like if he's like 90 years old and he can't get out of bed and he's lived his life. And if it's, you know, this is, if it's a logical decision, it's not a, this pain I feel right now is so much. The only option is to end it. That's that's not what we're talking about here. If that's what anyone is feeling, don't commit a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Um, pain is not permanent. I was talking the other day with the three-year-old girl I babysit, and I think I forget why I started talking about it. I think she like hurt herself or something. And I was like, you know, when you're when you're in pain, if you fall down or if you hurt yourself. It's okay to cry, to scream, to really feel it. But you have to remember, it's not going to last forever. Pain is not permanent. And if you think about it, your mind will make it feel like it's lasting forever. So you have to focus and change 
what you're thinking about. You have to stop thinking about the pain and then you can start to feel better. She's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Pain isn't permanent. Well, I would, I would disagree. I think pain untreated is permanent, but seeking, seeking treatment, seeking aid, seeking help, seeking a remedy for that pain will help to alleviate the pain. And that's, I'm all, we're all for that. Yeah. I hope you guys that are listening can feel the kind of resolve that, that I'm feeling from listening to my daughter sharing her feelings with me and seeing her go going through a gamut of emotions in this last hour. Uh, it just makes me feel closer to her and and uh, and proud and it just uh, it just made I feel better. You know, the only thing we really have is is the is the moment is now is to live in the moment, is to live in the now, because it's nice to visit the past. And and it's it's been keeping me company lately uh, because of COVID. You know, I, I think sometimes about you know how, how my mom would have dealt with this and my dad or I, I just got I don't think I told you Danny, but I I just got contacted from cousins that are my cousins through Flory and mom that are in fact my third cousins. Uh, so it's scientific evidence that Flory was my biological father. You know, that, that made me feel good. Cause I've, I, growing up Italian, everybody's cousins, we're all cousins. Right. And then, and then you, you got your blood cousins, your first cousins, your second cousins. And so I had all these cousins and, and some of them were cousins through friends and, and some of them were cousins, cousins. And then, you know, at, at 60 years old, I discover that biologically, the ones that I thought were not my cousins are my cousins. The ones that I thought that were my cousins aren't biologically my cousins. It was very, it was very confusing. Yeah. I think we say this at the end of every time we talk. Like, I feel better too. Like, you I mean, if you guys are listening and you're still with us, I could barely speak, get, get through those thoughts that I was talking about. And now I'm fine. And I just feel, I always feel better after I cry. Like, I just feel so much better. Um, the other thing is, is, is talking about this. A lot of people that we love are very uncomfortable hearing us talk about our sadness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they don't want to hear it. It's like, oh, what a downer. You know, it's not but a downer. Are, you shouldn't expect to get help or understanding from people that you love sometimes. So find somebody else that can give you that, you know, a professional that is able to listen and guide you. And it's important and it's money well spent. And, you know, a life unexamined is not worth living. So, so best to examine the chinks in your armor mm-hmm. and you, so you, you know, you grow comfortable in them and, and you can get on. Mm-hmm. If you feel sad, if you're feeling any of these feelings, it's time to, you know, ask for help. Yep. yep. Help is out there. It's out there. Um, we're, we're finding it. We find it in each other. We find it in therapists. We find it in nice long walks. 
in our dogs, we have a lot of dogs. I recommend everyone get a few dogs. Um, at least three a person. At least three for every one person. Thank you, Danny. I love you. And thank you for being my daughter. Thank you for, for uh, being my daddy. I love you. I love you too.